let's go let's do this yeah let's go let's let's wait for them right over to you i'm sorry over. <laughs> it was it was a simple cue of over to you bill <laughs> oh. <laughs> maybe i wasn't ready <laughs> yeah right now the recording starts now play Hey, everybody. I am Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas. If you don't know who I am, check out Eagles Overseas. Give us a follow. Give me a follow. But this is uh, a, a great short series that my co-host and I have been doing the last couple of weeks. A lot going on, obviously, in the USA rugby world. You know, uh, we'll talk. Will and I will talk more about the other stuff right now. But obviously, USA, big match this weekend. Will, how are you? I'm very well, Bill. Well, I'm very well at the moment, but I'm not going to lie. The nerves and anxiety are building we all know what it's about on friday and i can honestly say i know we're a few days in advance but i am thinking about it i have been thinking about it and i will continue to think about it as the week goes on no doubt oh yeah and no doubt definitely and, and you will you have i don't know what you want to say uh, more hands in the game because you have such a close relationship with everyone pretty much everybody on this squad that's in dubai me myself and the journalist side fans side, whatever else obviously um you know i wear the usa logo uh, badge and honor and support of you and the rest of the teammates but this has got to be a stressful week for you i you know i'm just just trying to keep cool i really am trying to keep cool oh no how can i lie um yeah look <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day i feel like it's sometimes worse when you're not there you're not involved because you're guessing a little bit yes i've had communication with some of the guys in camp but at the same time as mentioned last week you're dealing with a 12-hour time difference i really don't want to be that guy poking and prodding oh how things going what's the game plan what's the team at the weekend no i just want them to relax and then i'll relax as well so yes i know what's going on but at the same time i've tried not to interfere too much and, and you know what, just off topic for a second there, I mean, it's, just, it's pretty big rugby week. I mean, there's other rugby going on, obviously. USA, Portugal is not the only thing going on in the world. You know, for me personally, you know, uh, um, Premier 15s kicks off this weekend. You know, uh, hopefully a bunch of the women Eagles will be there. Big, big World Cup final match over the past weekend, which I'd love for you to talk about here in a second because it's such a great match. But And then, of course, uh, accumulating on Friday with the USA Portugal match, which we've been mentioning over and over again. And, and if you guys don't know yet, it's... 10.30 a.m. Friday, which is free on the Rugby Network here in North America. If you don't live in North America um, and you're watching from overseas, you can watch it free on the World Rugby website, which, again, free rugby for everybody around the world, which is a fantastic thing. But another big thing came out, Will, um, here in the States. You know, don't be surprised if I show up on your doorstep the weekend of February 26th, Free Jacks versus Legion. Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> you messaged me that earlier and I must turn to my wife and say, is the sofa bed still operating? But anyway, look, it is. It's been a great week of rugby, actually, around the world. It's really showed off our sport, I think, in its best light. Um, and yes, the MLR fixtures I will talk about in a minute, but I've got to talk about that England versus New Zealand yeah, Women's World Cup final. That was honestly, I'm not just saying it for the, for the listeners or just trying to be nice. That was one of the best spectacles of rugby I have ever seen. The fact that there were errors in there made it so interesting. I was glued to the TV. Literally, that game was one end of the pitch to the other. Some of the ball handling skills were outrageous. The Black Ferns, their game plan at times was suicidal, but it was so fun. And actually, in the end, you've got to hand it to them. They produced a great win and deserved winners. I know England, there was a red card incident, and I'm sure mm -hmm. they will have their, their say. But no, huge, huge game that was, and so good to watch. But 
let's make it more towards American rugby. Yes, you're right. MLR fixtures came out. Really excited about that. I know for San Diego Legion fans, we'll be ready for our first game at our new stadium, Snapdragon Stadium, on the 18th of February against the Utah Warriors. But, Bill, before any of that, my rugby mind, I can't get away from this, has to be about Friday. How nervous are you? I've said about how nervous I am. It's USA v Portugal. It's a repercharge. It's in Dubai. It is so big. I almost am glad that I can just sit back and watch because at the same time, if you're in it, you don't think about it. But when you are sitting back, you do think about it. You get stressed. You get nervous. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm not even making sense. You can just tell by the stress in my voice. Yeah, it will. I've, oh, my God. I've gone back and forth so often. I'm excited. I'm pumped. We got this. Next morning, I'm like, do we have this? Do we have the, the game for it? Do we have the coaching? You know, and you, and you and I have both done research on uh, – Portugal, who they lost to, who they beat, you know, I'm I'm a mess. My wife is just like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm, I'm working hard, and this match is killing me. I just, I want to get past Friday, and I want to be extremely happy after those two hours. <laughs> that, that's uh, look, we're, we're building this up. We're trying to do what all great broadcasters, and we got a fantastic one coming up later on the show. Uh, try and do it. Just make it dramatic. That's all the whole point of it for the viewers listening in live now. Or, of course, on recording. Before we hit about the review of Hong Kong, Bill, do you want to remind all listeners on here how to get involved, how to ask questions, um, this and that, whatever you, yeah. whatever expertise you know? <laughs> of course. So, fans, listen, this is for you guys. Uh, Will and myself, we're just providing a platform to come talk about the great game of rugby, USA Rugby, and, and, and talk to our guests who we'll, be, we'll have up here in about, uh, about seven minutes or so. We'd love to have you come up and ask questions, myself, Will, everyone else, to do so. Uh, request in the bottom left of your phone. With that mentioned, you have to be on a mobile phone in order to talk. You can listen on a computer or laptop, but you have to be on a phone in order to ask questions. Uh, we'll get you up here as soon as possible. And then once you're done asking your question, we'll actually put you back down. No offense, nothing personal. Uh, but you can come back up again and ask another question later if you'd like. Uh, try to keep your questions short and to the point as we'd like to get you up, get as many fans up here as possible. And again, make sure you're on a mobile device. And on QWill, I think we should go to our uh, our first listener. Uh, let see if we can. Jaden, how are you? Pretty good, guys. How about you? Great. So my question, um, one of the big surprises that I've noticed from the first two games, and I don't expect to see a change for the third, was uh, Nate Augsburger on the wing. And I think this change is really stemming from uh, from that 13 shirt and the absence of Tavito Lopetti that's really shuffling around the back line. Why do you think that is? I thought he played really well uh, in July. And uh, do you think uh, we're going to see more or less of him going forward? Thank you. Yeah, let, me, let me jump in real quick, Will. I just, I just want to say one note about uh, about Nate. Uh, and we'll talk about him a little more later, but I thought he had a spectacular game uh, this past weekend. He played about a foot taller than he really is. Um, he, hit, he played physical, he played fast, and he played in line and in tune with, say, AJ and other players as if they've been playing together for at least a month. Um, and, and that felt great. Come on, Will. Well, Jalen, I'm trying to gauge your question. Is it more about whether Le Petit's not playing or whether you sort of uh, are understanding why picking Nate? So I'll, I'll try and answer it all together. Don't know about Le Petit. I don't know about whether he is actually carrying a small injury coming into the tournament or not. So I honestly, unfortunately, can't give you that information because I just don't know about him as a player. 
With Nate, I find it really interesting because if you look at the back three at the moment, certainly the back three that played at the weekend, it's actually relatively inexperienced. The likes of Christian Dyer doesn't have loads of caps, relatively young. Mitch Wilson has literally only made his debut uh, a couple of weekends ago. So I think it's excellent to have that know-how and veteran, which ultimately Nate is. He's a great communicator. He is a tenacious little bugger. Trust me, I play with him at San Diego. He's like a little chihuahua just going at you the whole time. Um, and he's been really impressive. He, he does, doesn't back down from a fight. And I think we'll, we'll need that going into this weekend. It is an interesting move. There's no doubt about that. But I think maybe that kind of answers your question, Jade. And yeah, a little bit about sort of putting that veteran in the mix with an inexperienced back three. Well, I'll tell you what. I hope that's kind of asked some questions, but I reckon we might be able to answer a little bit more, Bill. If we go into a little bit about yeah. our views from that Hong Kong game and, and review, do you want to head off first? Because it was a it was a pleasing performance in the end, a 49-7 win against Hong Kong, which obviously has led to this final game of Friday being the decider. Were you impressed? No. No, yeah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, kidding. Uh, <laughs> I was actually really impressed. I, I, I was really happy with the results. Other than a bit in the second half when the subs came in, that when the bench came in, the little lackluster for about 20 minutes into the, the game. But I thought it was a much better full match than the Eagles all together after, you know, coming off the Kenya match. They started off strong, attacking, and did a wonderful job controlling the game with the set piece especially, which I think, uh, Will and I agree, um, is a huge part of this game for the USA Eagles. A lot of power, a lot of, a lot of plays off the lineouts uh in the malls you know lots of tries for our hookers especially you know again while the boys did come out a bit timid against kenya this time there seemed to be a lot more confidence right off in the opening kick and what i mean by confidence is also we were trying new things and maybe it was because it was hong kong i don't know you know aj um a, a couple of like kicks to the corner some grubbers what else to our wings taking those chances i love seeing and I, and I definitely think that comes with the confidence. And, and Will, the other thing is discipline was much more improved. You know, uh, inside the 22, we had a couple faults in there. But overall, I thought we did a lot better inside the 22 and capitalized and did score more points than we, we could have uh, the week prior. Uh, and, and then one last thing, Will, for you, just generally speaking, uh, much quicker ball Ruben was great getting the ball out uh, quickly from the rucks and, and didn't waste a lot of time with that and we were able to keep on the front foot we we're able to keep picking up and moving you know Jameson the other four is able to pick the ball up and go which obviously resulted in uh, Jama's uh, try early in the match it was a lot of forward thinking it was a lot of uh, uh, I can't say the word opportunistic play which I love seeing from this team Will yeah, you're spot on, Bill. And I'll be very interested to, to hear if any listener has a thought or opinion from the weekend just gone. Let me try and sum it up pretty quickly um, in a way that hopefully all listeners can maybe understand. So set piece and rugby is absolutely key. It's the scrum and the line out. If you win that area, you usually win a rugby match. I'm really really confident the way that that is going and I'm really confident that the mall looks good the scrum looks good it doesn't matter actually whether you have KP who has started or Dylan Fawcett who comes on that whole line out looks very well uh, put together Cam Dolan I thought had an outstanding game it's odd to see him at second row because I know he deep down hates it but he actually goes really well in that area um 
you talked about how having quick ball, quick ball comes from momentum. We gain that with big Paul Lasique and also some of the other big ball carriers, such as Fanana Schultz, you've already mentioned. So I'm really impressed to see, I know it was against Hong Kong, but the simple stuff was done really well. We built phases, forwards were linking with backs. That's the other thing. You can tell we're confident when the forwards are pulling the passes out the back. Um, we're doing the simple things well. Running, passing, kicking options on display. We didn't disrespect the opposition. It's easy in those games just to play from anywhere, run it from every, everywhere. But we actually played in the right areas, which I thought was key. Um, look, in terms of some improvements, let's talk about it briefly. Still need to be a bit more clinical inside the, the opposition 22. I think when you look at Kenya and you look at Hong Kong, plenty of chances were in that game. When you then go and look forward to Portugal, we're not going to get as many chances. So we need to make sure that the things that we are creating, and we will create on Friday, we really try and capitalise. Because what you want is that scoreboard ticking over nicely. We'll talk about that game against Portugal in a minute. But that was just my thing, which I just think we were a bit sloppy at times, losing the ball, a soft penalty, going off our feet, sealing the ball, whatever it might be. Um can't really afford to have that on Friday. And then it actually, strangely, in a way, that game is a focus of 80 minutes. The, the, the game against Kenya, the first 20 minutes weren't great. The game against Hong Kong, the, the second 20 minutes weren't great. Now, for different reasons. But again, if, if the Eagles are wanting to improve and be better, they'll be looking to make sure that it's an 80-minute performance. There's going to be peaks and troughs, but really going for that 80 minutes of focus is going to be key. Yeah, and one more comment for uh, about this, Will, and then I think we're going to jump over to uh, Fitzy at Rugby Morning, who has a comment coming this way. Uh, one thing I liked was the, the attacking, the attacking um, of our backs, and also when we mentioned Miss, Mitch Wilson joining the line with the likes of uh, of Christian, you know, uh, Marcy, Augie, whoever else in there. What we saw was something similar in soccer or football. Whoever's listening, offsides. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, like a soccer team is attacking, and their and and their their momentum is pushing them forward. Oftentimes, you can see some offsides because they're pressuring, they're attacking. So, there was one play in the game where it, it nearly resulted in the try, but it was it was a forward pass from Mitch to Christian Dyer. And what I mean by that is, Christian was ahead; he was just too far ahead because you're excited, you're you're pushing, you're all going forward motion in your speed, and it's going to happen. So I like seeing that. The players aren't holding back; they're not playing too defensive they're in an in attack mode which i love seeing from my backs again i think mitch wilson brings some good speed into the line and really has been doing a great job at fullback and supports the likes of those other backs uh even uh, even a, a guy like paul ck so my two cents there but um all right let's go out to fitz yet rookie morning hey thanks guys thanks uh b-dubs as i'm calling you guys again <laughs> two 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 quick comments one um just a comment on the hong kong match Coming out of that Kenya match, right, I think the first, you know, like 15 minutes of that Kenya match, I think we were all a little nervous, right? There was the yellow card and things weren't really gelling very well. I think we wanted to see like an improved performance. And I think we saw that in Hong Kong. It, it, it just the, the tone of the match for us felt very steady, right? Like things were gelling. We were putting phases together and it just felt like we were making good progress. Maybe that was probably just time together, right? Which I think was great. So you hope we continue to see that moving forward, right? And then the last comment really is just based off what Will was saying last week. But I think your comment, Will, about Mitch Wilson becoming Shane Williams, maybe it is happening because Mitch Wilson had a real good game. So I'm excited to see that continue to continue to progress. 
Spot on, Fitzy. No, I, 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 there's a lot of good positives around the, the whole squad. And I really hope that confidence is taken into this Friday. I, I know the stakes that are on uh, on the line. We all do. But let's, you know, USA, when's the last time we put together two wins back to back? I tell you what, it's not, it's not been for a while. In fact, I can tell you, I don't think it's been since 2019 before the World Cup. I remember playing that Pacific Nations Cup. So I really hope just having those results, players are confident. We're going to be feeling good going into this Friday. But hey, look, Phil, talking about feeling good. I'm feeling good about our guest, and I really want to get him on now. We, we can talk a little bit more about how the Eagles went the weekend, and of course we would talk about what Portugal are going to present themselves, what threats they're going to have. But how brilliant is it not to have so much a player at the moment, a current player, I know he was a past player, but top broadcaster, the voice of American rugby. Dan Stanford is with us. I'm so thrilled to have him because he knows all about the Eagles. Having been on the World Series himself, representing the US Sevens, uh, was at the World Cup in Dubai, actually, in 2009. So he knows about Dubai. Um, I have some interesting facts about him, which I can't wait to go into. It's things I didn't know, like him being a media manager for USA Rugby during the World Cup in 2011. Who knew that? Anyway, so good to have him. Dallin, welcome. How are you doing? Well, brilliant, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Bill, as well. You sleek sensations. Uh, (laughs) In the midst of packing up, I'm actually leaving Bill's coast and heading out to yours, to California. Uh, So there are lots on the go there. But the rugby is a lovely distraction, which uh, we, of course, uh, you guys have mentioned uh, tens times coming up for the U.S. on Friday. Uh, uh, even though I'm not uh, playing these days, I am on the edge of my seat because I know it's going to be an absolute thriller. Uh, talking about the U.S. in the last couple of wins, I think um, it's so great to see you know see the U.S. put some good phases together and produce some some big victories here. So yeah, I'm just excited with this time. I know it's uh, nobody wants to be playing in a final qualification tournament, but I think uh, the U.S. is looking in a strong position. How are you guys doing that side? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so you're finally leaving New England right before it gets... Yes, I know. Bill, I didn't want to break it to you live on the air, but unfortunately, you know, we didn't get a chance to connect earlier. Yes, <laughs> my my wife and I came across here during the pandemic to be closer to her family, and we've had a brilliant, you know, two and a half years. Uh, but with the winter coming up, um, and I saw Will's photos on the beach, I just thought, you know what, it's, it's a good time to get back to California. Uh, we've spent most of our life that side, so it'll be nice to be back on the beach. Ah, oh, there you go. I mean, Dallin, it's going to be good to have you on the West Coast, my man. It is sunshine in the air and lovely and just a nice temperature at the moment. Anyway, we can come on to that another time. Um, yes, you have been watching the US. And let's be honest, you've actually kind of been with the US broadcasting on the various platforms on these USA qualifiers. I remember seeing you in Denver as we took on Uruguay back in, what was it now? September 2021. If you look back on this qualifying journey, we've got it from past players, you know, experiences or thoughts. We've got it from even current players, the likes of Joe Talfate in week one. But from you on a broadcasting perspective, you see it a bit different. How have you seen that journey been? It's been difficult for the for the Eagles getting to the repper charge. Yeah, great, great question. Great point, Will. You're right. The journey started a long time ago. I recall commentating those games at Infinity Park, the home legs against Uruguay and Chile as well. And it was tricky because at times the U.S. played some fantastic rugby. But then, of course, inconsistency, discipline, uh, you know, chemistry, things like that. 
I think was posed a challenge. And so it's always interesting because I always look back and I try track, right, to see how do some teams out of the top 10 nations in the world compete? And Japan obviously was the classic example, you know, how brilliant they were, not only at their last World Cup, but the time before that when they beat South Africa uh, in, in the previous one. So you've got to track your professional league. And so Japan obviously did a good job there. And we're doing a great job here with Major League Rugby. But if I look to, you know, Portugal, for example, coming up this weekend, you know, half of their team play for Lusitanos, which is their team that plays in the uh, Rugby Europe Super Cup. And the same for Chile. They have a professional side in Slar as well, uh, Uruguay also. So it's interesting to see how the players have chemistry. And you guys will know from playing, you know, at your school level, university level, when you play alongside players for many years, you get to read the game, obviously, a lot differently and a lot better. So I think that is something that we're still finding a groove here in America because players are playing while they're playing professional rugby now, everybody, which is great, they're not all with the same side. And so that chemistry takes a while. We don't get a long time to train and play together at a national level. So I think at times, for those crucial moments, that's where we fell away, where other nations seem to have a bit more practice at an international level. Dallin, you, you've hit the nail on the head. We've talked about it before on this show over the last couple of weeks. Is time together. And you'll know that more than anyone because you're literally there pretty much the whole the whole time during these games. I want to just touch on a little bit and put a bit of a difficult question to you, if I'm honest. Um, and I'm a current member of the MLR, so I'm very positive about it. And at, this, at the same time, I do believe that is the way forward for USA Rugby to be better. Can you honestly say, though, from your experience watching, commentating on the MLR, has it helped USA Rugby in recent times do you think that the best team is out on the field at the moment, in maybe your opinion? Brilliant questions again, Will. Uh, you, you posed them so well also. So a tricky one for sure. I will say this. I will say that I personally, and this is not in my capacity as a broadcaster, I personally feel that there should be more American eligible players playing in each team on the game day roster on the match 23 i feel like some of the teams you know i know that the certain rules so you could you know pick up more international spots if you want i know some teams have you know 11 12 13 international players out of a 23 match day squad that they could field so i do feel like you get more advantage for the overseas players and and canadian internationals to count as domestic players so Unfortunately, not not the younger American players aren't getting all the game time that they should be getting. So yes, that is an that is an issue. So if I trace back to the Japanese league when they started out, I think they had two to three slots were overseas based players, foreign players. So they could choose a Dan Carter because they had the money and the resources, but that only means that they could choose three or four top top tier players, right, from another country. So I do feel like that is tough. I know that Major League Rugby is an independent venture and so they they don't have to align themselves with the goals of USA rugby which of course is you know to perform the best they can at world cups and grow the game around the country but saying that i do believe having you know been intimately involved with the team out here in new england like the free jacks that they're doing so many teams are doing brilliant work in the community of growing the game and growing the sport so it will take time um i, I really hope things move along at an accelerated rate because the fact that we're struggling to qualify for a World Cup, let alone win more than one game at a World Cup, is is disheartening. The last time the U.S. won at a Rugby World Cup, will you point that out, I was the media manager, it was in 2011 in, in, in New Zealand when the U.S. beat Russia in their pool. So we've dropped off quite a, quite a way since then. MLR is one of the ways we're going to help, but there, it's not the only one. There, there needs to be you know, rugby in 
junior school, elementary school, middle school, high school. Uh, there needs to be pathways, obviously, for play, for people to pick up the game at a much younger age. Growing up in South Africa, like you you did in, in, in England as well, you pick up the ball when you're five years old, right? And you start playing and it's kind of ingrained in a system where here we have so many other great sports. It's not going to be necessarily be a first choice for so many people. Uh, fans, just a reminder, I'd love to have you come up and ask a question uh, of Dallin, Will, or myself. Uh, please do so by requesting the bottom left. We'll get you up here as soon as possible. Again, love to have you guys contribute to our show. Actually, prefer it because I don't know about Will, but uh, I get a little hoarse after a while. Uh, <laughs> with that said, come on up. Let's ask a question or two and uh, love to hear your voices and love to have your comments. Uh, Dallin, you know, speaking about MLR again, um, you know, Will and I have talked about this, the, the Americanization or the Americanized game here in the United States. Um, I, I totally agree with you about getting more and more uh, American qualified players. I believe Gary Gold said there was, I don't know, I, I, I'm a wrong, 212 American qualified players in Major League Rugby, which is probably less, maybe like 160. But I guess you can't really disagree with the fact that the product we're putting on the field right now is putting seats or putting people in seats because right now the majority of the fans are rugby centric players or, or fans you know they're not new people there are more and more obviously since mlr started that's exponentially growing but don't you think the likes of say Bodine waka and i mentioned these names because of the free jacks uh dougie five whatever else don't you agree that that's who's getting the people in the seats for now yeah. that, that's an interesting concept for sure um i i so two things number one i i do agree but having you know a, a bunch of international players in each in each squad. So, for example, if I'm a you know a, a young centre or backline player, and all of a sudden Ma Nanu joins, which he has again, you know, Major League Rugby playing with San Diego, that would be the greatest learning lesson for me as a young player. Not necessarily you know quality coaches, but it's the players around you that you pick up a lot of skill sets and and you know habits from. So, I think the US players that are currently in the system are benefiting tremendously from the overseas talents. I just find it, it it's just stacked a bit heavily on the international side so you're right some of the marquee players absolutely bring people to, to the stadium but Dougie Fife a great example and, and, and Bodie Walker for sure but uh, if you are going let's per se I'm the GM and I'm scouting players and I'm looking at a young college American player that has played maybe four or five years right of his life or I'm looking at a player from you know New Zealand or South Africa that have played you know for 25 years of their 25 years of on this earth they're going to come with a you know a higher skill set of more experienced a uh, 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 veteran player so you probably will choose somebody like that right to fill your roster so those kind of things are interesting i think it's just a balance right it's i think if i was if i was one of the ownership groups i would probably at a, at a at an ex agm bring in the balance and say okay let us slowly you know reduce the number of international players that we are allowed to have on our roster so you can still have your five to eight marquee signings but it just it just you want the product to be good as well so you're right so it's a balancing act uh, is my answer so uh one more question for you and we're gonna go to a, a fan or a follow-up to that last question so when i look at but and by the way i'm sorry down i'm not like putting you on the on the, <laughs> on the, the fence here saying tell me this you, when you look at the Premier 15s over in Europe, you know, the women's competition, which is, yeah, I believe, the, the top competition in the world right now, they're complaining kind of the same way. They're saying there's too many um, non-English eligible players in that league. But in my mind, uh, in the same thing at MLR, the guys like Bodine or the Canadian players or else are making our USA eligible players, you know, no matter how few there are, better because what you just said, because going against Nona, whoever else, uh, is making them better. Is, is that, am I saying that right? I mean, isn't that a good thing? 
Yeah, exactly. Bill, you're spot on, but I do think it's a balancing act. So let's, so let's say, let's look at Gary Gold's side, right? So right. let's say Nate, Nate, Nate Orsberger, right? He wants to use him, let's say, as a, he's now playing wing, right? But let's say he wanted to use him as a scrum half. Let's say he was sitting behind, um, you know, a international cap player who was brilliant that, you know, they obviously the, the Legion want to win all their games. So they're like, we're going to start with an international player. While we know Gary Gold wants to see Nate play at nine, now, I know Nate's not the example we should be looking at because he starts right. normally, but he's probably going to get 20 minutes a game, right? So 20 minutes a game each weekend, I know you're training with the, you know, the, the higher level players each week. It's not enough. And Will, and Will could, could probably chime in here as well. You, you want to be, you know, you want to be playing an hour of, of top level rugby, right? At a minimum each week. And if you can, and your body allows it to get better and better, because then you're also playing it's better opposition. So it is a balancing act and particularly for the key, key positions. So we're lucky that, you know, uh, uh, Piffaletti was playing in MLR and now of course at the Saracens and, and um, Fawcett's playing, but you kind of want your frontline players. And then let's say you get a bunch of injuries, right? So all of a sudden, you know, uh, a couple of backline players go down. Your depth chart needs to be some of the best players in the league as well. So I think it'll happen over time. I just think in this current position that we're in, there there seems to be obviously leaning towards, and I get it, you want to have the best product on the field. That doesn't always mean you can give brand new, you know, college kids out of college uh, an opportunity straight away to play professional rugby and MLR in the starting positions. Dallin? We can hear you all day. This is absolutely brilliant. And I will chime in a bit later on, but I do want to go to Jaden, who's wait, waiting patiently uh, for a question or a comment from him. So let's hear from Jaden. Hey, guys. Um, so, yeah, I have a question on this exact topic. The first part is just my question is I'm not super familiar with, you know, the youth pathways. Having these international players, are we really pushing our local guys off of rosters? Is there that sort of – is there a long line? Because I know that there's – there's a lot of teams and not necessarily a lot of top-level talent. And then also a thing to consider is a lot of these international players haven't been capped for their home countries. So due to Regulation 8, they could one day be Eagles. Not saying that's how we want to build the national team, but it's an option. I think one of the hardest things of the USA rugby, unfortunately, is the collegiate system. And I'm going to probably be shot down a little bit here because... One of the issues is that you've got guys who are potentially talented, but they're not coming out of college until 22, 23. I came out of school at 18. I was a professional rugby player. I started playing rugby from the age of five. What I'm trying to say is the conveyor belt of US talent, we want to see earlier and then we want to promote. I totally understand your point about uh, the fact of players becoming US eligible. Heck, I'm going to put my hand up. It's down to my dad's side of the family, my grandmother whereby I can play for the USA and I went down that path. So there is definitely ways we could look at this and say, well, let's let's have someone come into the MLR, be here for three to five years, whatever the, leg the legislation or whatever it might be now. And that can be a benefit to US rugby. I totally understand that. I would like to go back to Dallin's point, though, is we can bring in lots of New Zealand talent, South Africa talent, which will make the product of the league better, which has to be the case. But there surely should also be an end goal to all of this, whether the MLR or the USA is aligned together or not, is you want to make the national team better. We do not want to prevent local domestic talent from playing rugby. And that, and that, I think, is the biggest picture. And I'm sorry if I haven't, Jaden, completely answered that to, uh, for you. But totally understand your point. Let's still try and get a conveyor belt of USA talent out from the colleges and into the MLR teams. Yeah, well done, Will. Uh, all right, one more comment. I want to ask uh, um, um, 
Uh, Dal, one more off repiage question, then we're going to get right back into uh, this weekend's match and last weekend's. But, Dal, uh, um, so you just called recently a uh, Rugby Europe Super Club or Super Cup match with um, you know Scotland legend Adam Ash. Uh, I don't know how you do it, but your pronunciations of the players' names was ungodly. Uh, either that, you're amazing, either that, or you were just making it all up and we just don't know any better over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, but Yeah, so firstly, uh, it was really cool to actually commentate with Adam Ash. I've actually commentated his games, obviously, in MLR, and so it's great that we got to team up remotely, I will add, which is a, a real bonus. But yeah, I, I will say as a broadcaster, well, firstly, as a player, my name, which is pretty easy, there's a university not named after me, but Stanford, right? So it's pretty straightforward. Right. I was called three or four different varieties of Stanford when I played. So I felt, you know, obviously as a as a player who's who's keen on getting things right, you know, to the best of my ability, I've definitely botched up names, you know, uh, over the years. But what I do is I, I spent, you know, spent four or five days researching a match that I'm doing. And in the buildup, I always get hold of somebody from the country that it's either the media manager, if they have one, if they don't, then I get an audio file from, you know, a Georgian that I know to say the names for me as they would in Georgia. And then I try to, obviously, my accent, try to say it as best I can to try to copy that. Phonetically, if you see my commentating notes, especially like in the sevens when Fiji plays or, you know, the Super Cup, some of those teams, the names are phonetically written out so I can quickly look down and then read it out as I would say it. So um, it's, you know, it's it's something that that I'm passionate about, obviously, getting people's names right. The, the hard thing I will say is when somebody scores a try and you don't have a good angle on it, you want to give the try scorer the credit that they deserve, but you also don't want to incorrectly ID them. So that's sometimes where you have to create a bit of a buffer and talk a little bit about the try before, if you can, see the number as well. So there's all sort of tricks of the trade. Um, but thank you for that compliment, pal. It's, um, it's hard. Like for a World Cup 15s event 2019, I got to do, you know, 10 pool games games but you know all different countries and I, I didn't speak any other language but english and afrikaans in south africa so it's not like i have the french or the spanish tongue to kind of help me out so it certainly uh, um just takes a lot of practice <laughs> dallin dallin I, i've got to come in here and quickly ask you have some of, of the most outrageous one-liners in in rugby <laughs> there's no doubt about it it, it can it will, the next thing you know after you've commentated on a game you've gone viral in some way by calling someone under something using Elon Musk or Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and then comparing it to um, the the desert plains in the Sahara. Uh, tell me, like, what on earth goes through your mind? Do you plan these things? Yeah. So listen. So my my uh, my biggest thing is that I honestly try to have as much fun in life as possible, and so that you know that bleeds into the broadcasting and commentary side of things because I do believe that you could you know to be to be good at anything you need to be yourself number one right so i love having a laugh that's certainly something i'm I'm keen on so so with that in mind obviously the game is not about just complete one-liners and you know it's not even seven sometimes you don't want to use it too much so yeah i try to bring excitement to any game i'm commentating it doesn't matter who's playing and to be generally i'm genuinely interested in the game the great thing is it's live so you you always excited at the edge of your seat but yeah when there is a chance to throw some humor in i definitely 
you know, thrive on those moments. Some some moments are they are authentically themselves. So, you know, if a player looks like a giraffe, well, then call them a giraffe, right? Um, and then sometimes I do think of, a, a, you know, a one-liner ahead of time. Like I, I wrote a couple out ahead of the last Rugby World Cup and I had to wait for the right time and the time presented itself. And, and then, you know, before you know it, somebody's more dangerous than climate change, right? So you, it's all about timing and... Um, you know, and generally being into the moment. So, yeah, well, I, I've got a few lined up for you coming up this season, pal, so you've got to deliver the goods. Oh, no, don't. But, Bill, go on. You, you want to chime in here, but be careful, Dallin. Be careful what you say. I need to hold a good image. Uh, brilliant. Will, you have no idea. I, I've, I've been around him after Free Jacks games and stuff, talking to fans, and and uh, the, the fans love him, man, because he just he lays it out for them. And, and and you fans out here listening in, again, come on up, ask us a question, ask ask Dallin a question. Actually, tell Dallin your your real name, and he might have a catchphrase from you from the beginning, as if you're scoring a try right now. <laughs> we should put him on the spot, see what happens there. But uh, but definitely come up uh, and ask a question, uh, and uh, we love Dallin. And, and Will, uh, I'm going I'm to leave it for you right now. Right. Well, I, we're having a lot of fun. And I could ask Dallin a load of broadcasting questions. But that's a phone call between me and him on another day. <laughs> Let's get back to the point. And we're going to use Dallin as well. We're going to definitely be keeping in the conversation because he is on fire with his conversation this evening. Um, Portugal. Let's not get away from this. Dallin, I want to get you straight on your thoughts, what you have watched and I'm sure you've watched some of the Portuguese as well. You probably have watched the Portuguese, not in just this tournament, but in previous years in the European qualifiers, in the European Championship. What can you say about what this battle is going to be on the weekend? Who's going to come out on top? But tell me, Portugal want to watch, aren't they? Well, they really are. I did get a chance to commentate Portugal last year in one of their, um, I think it was during the summer internationals or the fall, I was impressed by Portugal, number one, because my wife's half Portuguese uh, and Italian. And so I hadn't watched Portugal. I mean, I played against Portugal back in the day in the seven series. They used to be a core side. And then, you know, I have, haven't seen them a lot in, in, in times after that. So one thing I'll say about them would impress me was their team chemistry. That is always an indication of a side that has spent a lot of time together. And I, I'm big on that, of course, as mentioned earlier with, you know, them playing club rugby together with their team called Lusitanos in Lisbon. What I noticed about them this past couple of weeks, line out more fantastic, very creative as well. Like the U.S. is getting more creative too with some of their attack moves around that uh, set piece. Their scrum is very strong as well. They've got some slippery, eel, elusive, hot steppers. Um, Pinto, their winger, very impressive. He lines up against uh, Christian Dyer. You know, I haven't seen the team yet, but yeah, I, I I am a little anxious because they use the width of the field really well. Uh, they, they, their backs and forwards combine nicely. I think it's going to come down to I know it's a pretty simple statement, but it's come down to the consistency of the of the two sides, and of course the discipline. If a team concedes a yellow card or even a red, even worse, you know, as we've seen in a bunch of internationals the last few weekends, you know, just with an accidental, you know, shot to the head or something like that, it'll put you in a hole. So the US, we know that a couple of small errors and some, um, you know, mistakes here and there have been costly in the past at a high level, especially when the pressure is on. So. I think it's going to be as tight as a box of love, my friend. <laughs> you even managed to get one in there. That was brilliant. Um, oh, look, let's get back onto being serious. Otherwise, I'm going to go off track. Um, Portugal, I have a few notes on them, and I'm sure just adding on to what you've just said there, Dallin. I was really interested to go on the World Rugby website 
and look at how they, I should say, didn't qualify automatically and are now in the position they're in. The thing which caught me was just how close that European Championship qualifying was. They were in every game. And then if they had picked up one more win, bearing in mind they drew to Georgia 25-0 in Tbilisi, which anyone who's been to Tbilisi and played rugby knows that is not an easy place to go and get a result, a draw, or especially a win. They just lost to Romania, last player of the game in Lisbon. Any one of those results went their way, they would be in the World Cup without a shadow of a doubt. Well, they would have been. They would have just qualified. So I guess what I'm saying is, is this team is a good outfit. Talking about good outfit as well, a lot of them come from Pro D2 background. So for people who don't know that, that's the French second division, which, by the way, is a top class, worldwide top class league with some quality players. Really interesting, their, their hooker, Mike Target, and I've got to pronounce it quickly because I'll probably get the pronunciation wrong. He's at Perpignan in the top 14. They have experience across the board. And then let's talk about their lightning back three. They are dangerous. I mean, Manuel Cardozo Pinto was described by one of your fellow broadcasters, Dallin, as having the ability to run through puddles and not make a splash, which I thought was a great one-liner. But he is literally scoring tries for fun. Nuno Suessa Gudez, which, again, I forgive me, I'll probably pronounce wrong. He's got unbelievable footwork at the back. We are going to have to kick very carefully. And our line chase and our kick chase, I'm sorry, fans, are getting a bit detailed here, is going to be imperative on Friday. Talk to me, Dal, and I want to get back to you. From your sevens background as well, a lot of those Portuguese guys would have had sevens experience. They play with a fast tempo. How would you say that the US are going to combat that with the strengths that we've got probably in the power game, in the set piece, and ultimately getting this game under our belt and winning this, winning the title on Friday to get to the World Cup? Yeah, well, you bring up great points. You know, playing in that that uh, French league as well is is so tough and no joke. And that's why they have advanced. You know, they've only played in one rugby World Cup, surprisingly, before this. So, you know, the fact that they're on the verge too is is great signs for rugby in in Portugal. How will the US counter them? I, AJ McGinty is going to have to have a very strong game, as you mentioned with the boot. You yourself being an excellent kicker, also it's it's such an important part of the game because you don't want to be messing around with ball. You know inside your half really to be honest you know especially in a high high uh, stakes game like this where you know one point is is all you need to win right so a, a tie won't do it for the US the points difference plus 17 for Portugal so the US has to win so I think they do need to do, play that obviously we mentioned how strong the, the mall has been I've been impressed with Mario Ledesma who's been you know one of the newer coaches helping with the US side the Argentine legend John Plumtree as well um, uh, helping big with Gary Gold's side so I think they need, need to go back to more of the basics in terms of the set pieces for sure and then when they do a position of, of course send the missile Paul Seeker in smashing it in and I've been impressed with some of the back you know the the offensive runners the way they have to take it wide and connect with some of our dangerous players Christian Dyer more elusive than an alien love his play but he does need to get the ball right in space so I think it's going to be it's going to be a very exciting game at both sides but I think the US if you know, I'm I'm not allowed to bet on the games. Obviously, being a world rugby uh, broadcaster, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the US. Just having, you know, a bit more experience with the international players, and and you know, knowing that they have the skill set, they can they can do this. Um, it's gonna be a close one, though. I'm with you, Dallin, and I'm hopeful that every USA fan is hearing your great words there and nodding their heads. Yes, we've got this. We've got this. They're probably 
saying it through nerves and anxiety, but they're positive as much as I am as well. I've got a few things written down here as well about pressure, 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 um, set piece, and, and the exits are going to be so key. We kind of talked about that al- already. I'm going to shamelessly plug that I might have a written article coming out with the Rugby Network in the next day or two. So I mentioned a few ideas uh, about where I think the USA can can uh, make sure they outmuscle uh, a Portuguese side because I think we're bigger in stature. Literally, um, look across our back line, but also especially in the forwards, I think we can prove that um, to be a massive advantage to us. And I want to go back to the point, Dallin, about discipline. Discipline is going to be huge. The referee, who I actually don't know, it was brilliant to have Matt Cardi, the the English referee for the last uh, game against Hong Kong. I don't know who the referee is on Friday. Whoever he is, let's treat him like a a king. Or if it's a lady, like a queen. The referee must be our best friend on Friday. I'm sure you agree as well. I I really do, Will. In fact, we wouldn't actually be in this position if it wasn't for a bit of ill-discipline in the last game, of course, when when the U.S. played Chile. So had that game wrapped up with uh, AJ McGinty going for a shot at goal and then the referee saw something and rightly so had to review it with the television match official because it was foul play and dangerous play. So you're so right. It's it's something that's, you know, it's very tricky in today's game. There are certain things you can control and certain things you can't control, right? So, you know, when we watch a game, we see a high ball go up. You just hoping that when the two players collide, they are actually going for the ball and not taking a player out in the air, right? Things like that. And of course, with the danger of hitting a player in the head, things like that. So um, it's tense times for all fans, that's for sure. But I'd love to hear, as you you guys have done from some of the fans, I see Stacey Pates is out here. Shout out to the broadcasting sensation that she is. I'd love to get some uh, some comments. How how folks think the game will go this weekend? Of course, it's just uh, there's just our opinion this side. But love to hear from them as well. Yes, anyone who is listening in live, please do jump up and request to get on board and ask a question, have an opinion, because me and Dallin uh, and Bill can talk about this until we're blue in the face. Um, I also just want to just ask Dallin, j- just uh, how important is it? that the USA qualify for this World Cup. Uh, that might seem like one of the dumbest questions you've heard today. But in all honesty, it has to be talked about because we've only ever not qualified for only one World Cup. I believe that was in 1995. I, I just want to get your thoughts in terms of, OK, if it go, we, we hopefully we should. Brilliant. And I believe the boys will. But if we don't, what does that look like? Yeah, so, so that's something that, you know, I definitely don't want to... You don't want to consider it, but you're right. It obviously is is right in our face this this Friday. So look, at the end of the day, the you know rugby is has been on the rise in the US for a long time. Uh, most people that you, that you know you run into from the rest of the world is very curious about rugby in America, especially because of Major League Rugby and, and how it's been going the last five years or so. They've obviously seen the Eagle Sevens, the women and the men do so well in recent times, coming second in the world in 2019, both those two squads. And then, of course, the Women's World Cup side, you know, semi-finalist in 2017 and then top eight, obviously, recently. So, you know, people understand that, you know, for the game to be truly global, the United States being such a sporting power of the world and Olympic sensations, you know, need to have a good rugby side. 15 a side game is so complicated, though, as, as we all know, and the top 10 sides rarely change. But 
for the U.S. just to take part in the World Cup is a must. It's an absolute must for young kids watching, for sponsors being involved in the game, for you know people involved in MLR. Investment is huge in the sport. Well, it's not huge now, but needs to be big for us to be able to have more opportunities for the game to grow in this country. So with that in mind, the U.S. needs to feature in every Rugby World Cup there is. And of course, you know you don't want to be in a situation that you're hosting an event and you're automatically in just because you're hosting. You want to be one of those top 20 sides in the world. You also want to be winning games eventually that should be obviously the next goal at the world cup and you want to be progressing if you can to the knockout rounds like japan did last time so you're right it's 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 not a silly question it's 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 vitally important for the game look it's not to say that everything everyone's done in the last 10 or 20 years in the country goes to waste if the u.s doesn't qualify but it would be pretty sad to see that day um and what what times kick off 10 30 a.m i mean let's right. hope we can be celebrating it you know 12.30 Eastern uh, with a couple of cold jars um, booking our ticket to France. Dallin, real quick for you, and we're going to go to our to another uh, guest as well, or a fan, I'm sorry. Let's talk about the, the broadcast landscape, especially since you started coming onto the scene on the broadcast side, in the booth side. I mean, it wasn't long ago when we needed to go to a local Irish pub at 9 in the morning to watch any kind of rugby on TV. You know, what kind of growth have you seen since you've gotten into the booth? I mean, we have, obviously, the Rugby Network is doing games, um, Fox Sports, MLR games. I mean, it seems to be growing really fast. Yeah, Bill, that's a great point. I did want to bring it up, so thanks for the reminder. I'm so impressed with the Rugby Network. You know, the fact that there's one platform now for folks to watch the USA play and MLR and, and you know, a bunch of other content, which is fantastic to keep it all together in one umbrella. Um, I, you know, I, I obviously was not a fan of having, you know, the national team behind a paywall. I do understand how it was set up initially, but the fact that people can tune in, you want to you want to get new fans tuning into rugby in America. So the fact that Magic Rugby is featured on was on CBS and now now sold on Fox is fantastic. More and more games uh, um, at at peak times, which is important because at the end of the day. We we are in the game, right? So we we're obviously like the the top niche fans that there are. But you want to get people tuning in out of nowhere, going, "Hey, this is really interesting and cool." I don't really know what's going on, but I I like what I see. That's what you want, and you know the fact that the U.S. is really an untapped rugby market is 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 exciting. So I I, I I've been impressed with the broadcasting options over the years. Um, we're finally at a at a good place now with the domestic competition and the fact that you know the rugby network is carrying these U.S. games. And then, you know, NBC and, and Peacock TV, which have all the World Cups, that's great as well. So you people can get to see the games. Look, the time zones and, and depending where the event is played, that's something different you can't control. But the fact that people can see it is great. And, and you know, social media, the power of that, reaching new audiences. Alona Ma from the USA Women's side, she has done phenomenal work with her followers to spread the game, spread the U.S. brand and, and to showcase the sport to new fans. I think that's what what's, the, what's key. And that's why World Rugby has been very keen on having more events in the United States. And of course, you know, giving the U.S. two World Cups coming up. I realize um, we've, we've got some requests coming in, Dallin, again, brilliantly how, how you were saying all of that. And I want to go to John because he's been waiting for a while. So far away, buddy. Let's hear what you got to say no worries guys i could listen to dallin talk um all day too and i actually got to play touch with him when i was out in la at the beach and that was a good time even though i was dog tired but will two-part question for you one you've played in a number of big games over the course of your career what comes to mind when i say hey will what's the biggest game you ever played in and then two if you're walking out 
So if you were in Dubai and you were captaining the squad and right before you walk out onto the field, what message would you be telling all the USA men's eagles in the huddle? Fitzy, those are great questions. And I want to just quickly apologize to John because I thought we were literally going to let you in. Uh, so we will be letting you in with your question in a minute. But Fitzy, I, when I think in terms of some of the biggest games I've been part of, um, it would be those ones... At the, at the Rugby World Cup. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we're not there yet, but I'll never forget my game against England. I mean, literally standing across in the tunnel from people who I, I've known for most of my rugby journey, uh, either being with them, played with them, played against them. That was very surreal out in Japan. Um, in terms of the, the stake of the game, honestly, playing in the Uruguay, the, the last qualifiers that I was part of when I was fit was against Uruguay. Knowing the the importance of trying to qualify for a rugby world cup that in itself that on the line is is bigger almost than being at a rugby world cup if, if you know what i mean so in terms of taking the, the asset if i was in dubai at the moment how, how do you move yourself or, or, or take yourself away from the result we, we always talk about in sport about don't focus on the outcome focus about the process so we talked about already on the show today if the eagles go out there they have a really solid set piece they have the confidence to move the ball and stay on top of Portugal in attack and put them under unbelievable amounts of pressure in defence. That will get them the outcome. That will get them the result. It's so easy to say rather than do, and I'm not there at the moment Moment to you know, be in that feeling that the guys are, are having at the moment. I, got, I believe they've got a feeling of confidence, but they've got to focus on process, not outcome, and have the internal confidence to believe that in itself will put them in France next year. Do we, should we go, Bill? Should we go to John? Poor guy's been waiting um, far away. A whole different time zone. <laughs> Mr. John Corbett. G'day, guys. Sorry that. Now, some familiar names and faces. You, a lot of you will recognize me. I am down in Australia. Just wanted to quickly comment on um, my thoughts on the Repercharge series and then ask you guys, uh, all of you, for your opinion on it. Uh, it does look like there's two clear standout teams, and I don't know if it was sort of deliberately this way that that the two best teams are playing on the last match because obviously it would have been awkward if they were playing in one of the first two rounds because the tournament would kind of be over. But I just want to get everyone's opinion on whether, you know, the Repertage series is, is the ideal format at the moment. Like, it, it's, it's a bit of bad luck. COVID obviously meant that the Hong Kong Sevens was on at the same time and so also the Women's Rugby World Cup. So they kind of split the, the commentary pool. But it also split, like, I assume Hong Kong and Kenya's sevens teams would have had some overlap with their 15s teams. And they're the teams that haven't been competitive in the Repercharge event. So I just wanted to ask whether everyone thinks it's the optimal format. You can assume it wouldn't clash with the, the Women's World Cup or the uh, Hong Kong sevens next time. But, yeah, is it, is it in the right city? Is it is it the right format? You know, there's a couple of teams that would probably be doing better than Kenya and Hong Kong would if they were there, namely... Um, maybe Spain and Canada. I just yeah, wanted to get everyone's thoughts on whether we've got this right yet. John, that is probably one of the best questions of the night. So thank you so much for waiting and, and coming on to, to say that. Um, I, I'm going to be pretty outspoken here and say uh, the first two games are non-events. And it's all really down to this, first, well, this last uh, Portugal versus USA game. I was 
I'm very disappointed with a Kenya side who I really want to do. I, I, we talked about the first show how African rugby, if you take away South Africa and Namibia, we want to see the likes of Kenya, Zimbabwe coming through and being really competitive with the fellow tier, tier two teams. Clearly, that they had not had time together. Clearly, they probably didn't have their best players because you said, of course, about the fact that they were playing the sevens in Hong Kong. That, no doubt as well, was the same for the Hong Kong team. And therefore, is it a matter that those nations have, I guess, been prioritising what is more important to them? Do they feel that they've got more of a chance doing well in the sevens? Oh, let's not worry about the 15s. Because if I'm going to be honest, I feel sorry for my North American neighbours, Canada. It's, it's a travesty that Canada are not in the World Cup. I mean, they've been at every World Cup until this one. Now, for things which are, you know, we can go on about in terms of out of their control, lack of time together, COVID, they didn't have a great campaign in qualifying. I know they have their own in-house kind of conversations as to why they didn't. But I've got to say that there are sides out there, yes, who, I'm sorry, are better than Kenya. I'm sorry, who are better than Hong Kong. And have we got the best teams in that repercharge tournament. However, you've got to come down to how does World Rugby deal with this with the fact you've got to have representatives from Asia, you've got to have representatives from Africa, you've got to have representatives from Europe, Americas, Oceania, whatever it might be. So it's a difficult one. As for having it in Dubai, I think it makes sense that it's just completely neutral. Um, it's a location kind of that's in the middle for everyone as such. It probably favours Portugal. But it's a really interesting point you made. I'd love to talk about it more, but unfortunately we don't quite have time, John. But um, yeah, appreciate the question. Bill, let's get in Stacey before we wrap up tonight uh, because she's been waiting very patiently as well. Hi, gents. How are you all? So good to hear you. Um, I know that you are just about out of time, so I wanted to share a quick story that involves both Dallin and Will, ironically. The very first match, rugby match, I ever covered in my career, because I'm, I'm a stick and ball player. I played softball, I played volleyball, I played basketball, covered all American sports. So I was so thrilled when I got the assignment to cover rugby, and the first ever match I covered was alongside Dallin in San Diego. And it was such a wonderful experience. And for any of you that have not physically met Dallin, he is as energetic and loving and kind and thoughtful and funny as he appears and sounds when you hear and listen to him and see him. He is that fantastic 24-7. And I can speak to that with, with all my heart. And it's such a joy going back also to what Dallin was talking about in terms of growing the sport in the U.S. To be part of this team, to be part of the MLR, to use my voice to tell anyone that will listen that's never heard about rugby before and I can give a first-hand account just makes me so incredibly joyful. I love this game and I love being part of it. I'm in, which I really think you should. Uh, did you have a, a nickname for Stacy? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but Stacy, I want to say firstly, is the most stylish person we know. Uh, secondly, the ultimate professional in the broadcasting world. We learned so much from Stace. Thank you for those kind words. Um, it was obviously such a brilliant occasion to meet you then and then form a, a great friendship and, of course, a great networking bond that we share in this rugby space together. Uh, Stace, you're the best in the business. Your shoes Oh, what, which would shine out through as well. I will say, you bloody sleek sensation. <laughs> oh, thank you. Appreciate you all so much. Thanks for squeaking me in there right at the buzzer. 
Stacy, thank you for so much for talking with us. It's, that was awesome. I love these little stories. Uh, Dallin, uh, it's coming our time to say goodbye to you, and we're going to have about 38 seconds after you, but you can stick around if you'd like. Uh, uh, Dallin, it's been a pleasure. Always a great time to talk to you, except for when you're leaving my state to go out to somewhere warmer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bill and Will, thank you so much for having me. Uh, can't wait for Friday, uh, and uh, I'll be tuning in to the next time you guys host us again, you bloody legends. All right. Will, we can't run away yet. What do you think? Any uh, thoughts about this weekend really quick? I mean, we don't have a lot of time. No, we don't. I just want to say one last thank you to Dallin. He's been absolutely brilliant. I knew he would be. Um, We're going to do it, Bill. I'm confident we're going to do it on Friday. We've talked about the areas of our game. Brains and Brawn is going to beat the Portuguese on Friday. But let's, let's not take them for granted. They've got threats, but I do believe we can put ourselves in France next year and another Rugby World Cup. I'm confident it's going to be 7.30 a.m. in the morning Pacific time for me on Friday. Uh, I can't wait. I know the boys have got this. So I'm nervous, but I'm going to be positive. <laughs> well, it, it's 10.30 my time on the East Coast. I'm in the Boston area, so there's really no reason no one, you guys should not watch this match and cheer on the boys. All right, good luck to the Eagles. Will, good luck to your teammates. Uh, thank you, everybody who came up and asked questions today, and especially thank you to our guest today, Dallas Stanford. Uh, looking forward to hearing him on TV and see him on the sidelines again soon. Everybody, this is the Eagle Space. Repiage, set, go. We will be back next Tuesday to recap, uh, hopefully, our win over Portugal. Hope to see you all there. Share this with your friends, family, teammates, everyone else. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Go Eagles. Go Eagles.